Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father God, we thank and exhort you. We magnify, Lord, your holy name. We appreciate you once again. For your Lord, your goodwill, your faithfulness. We thank you for this moment that we are we're asking God for light, we're asking God for revelation, asking God for wisdom, that God will walk in the light of that which you're going to be speaking to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we are to start another series with us. Um, we are truly, truly done with the previous study on the biblical numbers. We're done with biblical numbers, and so we want to start with something that I call the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. The difference between a believer and an unbeliever. What is basically the difference between you who is born again and the man that is in the street? When you say you are a believer, what exactly are you trying to talk about? You know, what similarly happens to you if you are a believer compared to the man that is in the street? That is to say, before you became a believer. How can you differentiate the two? And this is the things we're going to be examining in the course of this series of study that I want to put forth. And so I intend you to pay very close attention. We're going to have a major um, verse or passage of scripture that we're going to be reading while I study study. So we look at Ephesians 4, reading from verse 17, the book of Ephesians chapter 4, reading from verse 17. Ephesians 4 verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. And I want you to know that. In the vanity of their mind. So Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. Verse 18 says, Having the understanding darkened, having the understanding darkened, be alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts. Verse 19 says, Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to walk all uncleanness with greediness. And verse 20 says, But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22, That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt, according to the deceitful laws. Verse 23 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The first passage we read tells us about a set of people that have what we call vanity in their minds. And then the second group of people is talking about those whose mind is renewed in Christ. So we have two categories of people here, and that's what we're about to deal with in the course of this series of study that we intend to undertake. Now, go with me to Genesis chapter 3 as we start this journey. Chapter 3 verse 20. Genesis 3 verse number 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And this is the beginning of what you can find in either your mind before 
you come into Christ. Eve, the mother of all living. The Hebrew word is Chaffa. That is living. But as a matter of fact, it should be Adam called his wife's name Life because she was the mother of all the living. That is the way it should be. In fact, that's the way it ought to be in the original translation from the word cover. The mother of life. By implication. Now, what I want you to catch from here is everybody came from Eve through Adam. I don't know if you get my point. Right. Now, you must understand that Eve at this state has fallen. Even when Adam was given this name, they were already falling state, if you will. Is that okay? Now, it simply means all of the seed that will be coming from Eve, even though it is called life, is dead. Is that alright? Remember, when the eight of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, something was injected into them. That is the beginning of the fall, that I will call the dead realm. But I have made it to understand sometime from these studies, man did not fall in Genesis 3, man actually fell in Genesis 2. When God said, let's make man of the dust of the earth, that was where man fell, man did not fall in Genesis 3, he fell in Genesis 2. Now the man that is truly or supposed to be alive is Genesis chapter 1. Right? Let's be mind that image of likeness, therefore, they'll go for mind this man alive. But when he comes to Genesis 2, let us form man of the dust of the earth. So now, the spiritual man of Genesis 1 was lowered to the art realm in Genesis 2, creating into man the propensity for man to sin. Therefore, it was possible for him to sin because he was already lowered from spirit essence of Genesis 1 to Genesis 2 before Genesis 3 took place. Are you following what I'm saying? So now when it comes to Genesis 3, we are saying man partook of the tree and as a result, an old life of corruption was injected into man. So every seed that was coming from Adam was already a corrupted seed. Are you following this? Right. Adam's seed was already corrupted. The woman was already partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So every seed that was going to come from her was a corrupted seed. Praise the Lord. Now, let me just show you this. Um, Mark chapter 7, let's look at verse 21. This is what gets into the heart and the mind of man once the seed was taken. Mark chapter 7, verse 21, if you can find it. It said, From within, out of the heart of men, proceeded with all adultery, fornication, murder, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and what? Foolishness. All of this thing come from where? The heart of man. Now, all of this thing are the product of the seed that came from Eve. So the mother of all living means the mother of all those who are in Adam in this context. And this is the product that comes out of them by reason of partaking of that tree. Praise the Lord. I'm trying to give you a background, not only a foundation for you to see what we're going to be discussing, for you to understand the difference between a believer and the unbeliever. I've said it times without number in these studies, you really, really do not need to teach anybody to be a, the fruit of the Spirit. By implication, you don't teach, you can't teach, you ought not to teach somebody to manifest gentleness, manifest love, manifest faithfulness, meekness, 
all of the fruit of the Spirit. You ought not to, and it was not in the position of a man to teach you those things. Because you see, nobody taught you all of these things before you start manifesting them. These are life from the seed that are within you. I don't think I get in that. Praise the Lord. All of this things we mention from verse number 21 down to 22 of Mark chapter 7 are the things that you naturally manifest. Like I always say, it looks funny. You don't teach anybody to steal. There is no way you go to school and study how to steal. Is that okay? It is natural for man to steal, as it were. But little children, you know, as you're watching over them, you know, you tell me, you give back to children, they're growing up, and then you see them having the tendency to steal, to pick. Huh? The ones that are trying to get into expertise, they go to the ports and use the fork to do something like the children of Eli. They get the big one. You understand what I mean? Nobody teaches those children how to do that. It's natural. And so we're talking about as in Adam all die, evil so Christ shall all be made world alive. That's what we're talking about. So all these things are the manifestation of the seed of that tree. So when we said Adam, I mean Eve, the mother of all living, means every human being on the earth lives half the corrupt nature that is in them because Adam through Eve also partook of that tree as it were and the seed that is coming forth was already a corrupted seed so therefore Eve was producing corrupted people you understand this that is why people refer to this as the original sin and some will tell you they smell like original sin well I don't really want to go into all of those debates which one is original which one is not original but what I know they are trying to say is that all mankind have a sinful nature right from Adam. And this is a fact. When the Bible says Eve is the mother of all living, now she can only bring forth with what she had. Are you with me? So there is that which, you, if you will, you could call it the original sin. And that's what we're talking about. That's, there is that thing that is in man which is corrupt by reason of the fact that we are all the product of Adam and Eve. Is that making sense to you? Right. Okay. So go with me to Hebrews 12, verse number 7, if you have been able to take that. I just need to make you see that. Now, you see, if, when you take time to read the Bible, and you read when Jesus was coming to John for baptism, he made a statement. And he said, The Lamb of God that taketh away the sin. It is a sins, not plural, the sin of the world. That original sin is what he was referring to. The Lamb of God that taketh away the sin, singular, of the world. And this is very critical for us to understand because you see, when he said the Lamb of God, he was actually discriminating between the Lamb that God has offered and the Lamb that men were offering. The point is this, our religion doesn't look to God. You ask me why? Because our religion could not offer the sacrifices acceptable to God. Praise the Lord. So, we know that the Bible says, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And that is to say, God has provided himself with a Lamb, completely different from the lands that you were offering before. So, forsake your lands and take my Lamb. That is just what salvation is all about. Praise the Lord. Okay, so, we go to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 7. And then uh, I'll show you this. Hebrews 10, 7 says, If ye enjoy chastening, God delight with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, 
Wherefore all are partakers, then are ye bastard and our sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, biological fathers now, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Now I want you to see that. The Father of spirits. Now, I'm trying to say, help me Lord, all human beings, spirits, comes from God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now remember, I'm trying to make you see the difference between the man that is born again and the one that is not born again. The difference between you who is in the church and the man that is in the street is what I'm trying to make you see. All spirits come from God. Whether it be man's spirit or all the Oloku man's spirit or all the Ekanka spirit, Amor, whatever, all of those people, everybody walking on the face of the earth, the spirit come from God. Is that okay? Numbers 27 verse 15 says this. Number 27 verse 15. I'm only speak unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of all the spirit of all flesh, Set a man over the congregation. The God of the spirit of our flesh. The word flesh here is speaking about mankind. Remember all mankind came from Eve, the mother of all living. But we are saying that the spirit that is a man came from God. Praise the Lord. Are we catching this? I want you to understand what I'm about to deal with for you to understand your true meaning of salvation. Where you stand in relation to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Give me Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse number 7. All spirit comes from God. All human being. God is spirit that come from God. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 7 says, Then, that is when a man dies, then the dust, I mean, then shall the dust return to the dust, or to the earth, which is the flesh now, as it was. And the spirit shall return unto God who do what? Who gave it. God gave every man a spirit. Is that all right? So, every human being, no matter the color, no matter the shape, no matter who they are, the Hindus, the Indians, name it, everybody has one spirit that came from God. Praise the Lord. Again, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23. And it says... And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body may preserve blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your what? Your whole spirit and soul and world body. So you are made up of three parts. There is a spirit in you, there is a soul which you carry, and your soul. It's made up of your mind, your will, your intellect, your, your emotions. The spirit makes up your soul. And then you have your physical body. The expressions you put on. If you are crying, it is actually a manifestation of your truth through your face. We can see you cry, but that is what is coming from your emotions, which is your soul. If you are happy, we can see you happy. And where is the joy coming from? From your soul. Hallelujah. But it is true, help me Lord, it's through your body that you manifest whatever is happening in your soul. If you are downcast, we will know that your soul is grieved. Your emotions are down, you are grieving, it shows on your face. And somebody can ask you, oh sister, what's wrong with you? Amen. 
So you are made up of spirit, soul, and body. And that's why David sometimes will pray and say, Oh my soul, why are that cast down? You know there was no joy in my spirit, I mean my soul. But why must that be? Praise God. Alright. So again, I have only said this before, John 3 verse number 6. Go with me to John 3 verse number 6 now. Now I'm laying this foundation for you to understand. At the end of the day, the difference between you and the man in the street. But don't forget, every one of us have the same spirit sent from God. Is that okay? Glory to God. John 3 6. That with the bond of the flesh is flesh. And that with the bond of the spirit is what? Spirit. And I've always emphasized this. There are two spirits mentioned in this biblical advice. One is capital letter, one is small letter. How many of you remember that? I've always told you that. Good. Now, the capital letter speaks of the Holy Spirit. The small letter speaks of what? Your human spirit. That spirit that God gave to every man is what's referred to here. So now, first of all, we'll come back here. Look at Proverbs 20, 27. Proverbs 20, 27. Glory. The spirit of man is what? The candle of the Lord. Searching all the inward parts of the belly. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Searching all the inward parts of the belly. Oh, glory. What that is trying to tell you is this. For instance, I don't have to go this way. But the point is this. Life flows from the spirit. And your soul is revealed through the influence of the spirit. Is that okay? You see, redemption is this way. You have, like already in 1 Thessalonians, this is the most holy place, this is the holy place, this is the outer court. The outer court is your body. The holy place is your soul. The most holy place is what? Your spirit. Now, this is what is going on. Your spirit is given back to by the Holy Spirit, like we just read in John 3 verse 6. So what's the next thing when you talk about sanctification? The spirit begins to affect, you know, remember there's a curtain in this place. Now the curtain opens, the spirit begins to move in from the most holy place and affecting your soul. So when you talk about sanctification, it's your soul receiving the influence of the Holy Spirit that has been given battle by the Holy Spirit. In that sense, you're beginning to think as God thinks. God's emotion becomes your emotion. Your intellect is being affected. All of your transformation, in other words, don't forget this. The soul is actually your personality revealed or expressed. If you say this man is an angry man, you are only referring to what often manifests from where? His soul. His spirit is not involved. So your soul describes you. Oh, that guy is very proactive. Oh, that guy is very calm. Oh, that guy is very angry. Oh, that guy is very, you know, he's always moody. Everything is coming from your soul realm. Now, what happens is when you're born again, the Holy Spirit begins to affect all of those things. So, if you are somebody that used to be very moody, all of a sudden, by reason of the influence of the Holy Spirit, joy begins to manifest in your life. You become a cheerful person. I mean, your personality ought to change once you receive the influence of the Holy Spirit affecting your soul. Hallelujah. So, what are we saying here? The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Is that okay? Right. So we'll go back to John 3 verse number 7 now. I mean, number 6 again. John 3 verse number 6 now says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So what's that trying to say? The aspect of you that is given battle by the Holy Spirit is your human spirit. Period. Now, don't forget, everybody got spirit. So what happened? A candle without light is still darkness. Help me now. Am I right? If you have all of this place and everywhere no light is on, you have all of candlesticks all over the place, you're still going to have darkness. Until you strike your matches upon each and every one of those candlesticks 
Is that okay? Like comes out. Oh no. So now look at this. Mighty chapter 5. Help me with mighty chapter 5 verse number 14. Mighty 5 verse number 14. You are what? The light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Okay, the next thing says, verse 15. Neither do men light a candle. Are you getting this now? Good. I put it on a bushel, but on a candlestick, and give a light unto all that are in the house. What was Jesus trying to say here? By reason of the Holy Spirit, I'm igniting your human spirit. You become the light. By implication, you can give light to people. You can give light to the house at this stage because your human spirit have received what? The Holy Spirit. Is that making sense to you? So when we're talking about being born again, we're just talking about your human spirit that was in darkness receiving the light of the Holy Spirit. And then you're born again. So the true sense, the aspect of you that is born again is what? Your human spirit. But this is not the privilege for the man that's in the streets. Are you getting the point now? Good. The man in the street has got his spirit. He has a candle, but no light. But you is in the household of faith. Your candle is ablaze. And Jesus said, you have already become a light or a candle that is set on the hill. In other words, God has brought you out so that you may manifest light. Look at Philippians 2 verse 14. Philippians 2 verse 14. Just simple thing for you to understand. When you, you should be able to know you are born again in the first place. Now, it, 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 not because you speak in tongues, no. You, you probably may not speak in tongues, but that's not to say you are not born again. <laughs> I don't know if you are getting that. That is basically the gift of the Spirit. Yes, we do know that. But you see, in the true sense to be born again, or what it means that you, you how do I put it now? You're born again, and the evidence of you born again is obeying the Lord. You know why? Because the experience of Pentecost was not necessary for them to speak in tongues. The experience for them to obey what God will ever say. Because, you see, the blazing fire on the mountain, Mount Sinai, the children of Israel could not stand there. So, you see, when he came to give the law, the whole place was ablaze, as it were, on the mountain. Praise the living God. So even so, when it comes to the upper room, the blazing fire also came in and sat upon them. Now in man's, man, man, what now? Man Horeb, they could not receive the law, right? Okay. They could not receive the law. They could not believe in the law. Like I was telling somebody a few days ago, I don't see how the children of Israel could have been able to enter the promised land. I don't, I don't think so. How? You may ask me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now these are the same people that said, we don't want you to talk to us, talk to Moses, and let Moses talk to us. So how are they going to hear the word? They can't hear the word except what Moses passed out. But you see, scripture makes us understand, my sheep hear my voice. So they rejected being sheep. So they never have the faith that will qualify them to enter the promised land. In fact, sending people to go and figure out if the, if, if the, the land is actually made of, you know what that means? They send the people, Caleb, you no know, people, go spy out the land, tribe, tribe. You spy out what God told you. That means you don't believe God. I don't know if you get that. They found that they went to spy out the land, showed them and had no faith in what God told them. So how are they going to enter the promised land? They couldn't have entered the promised land because they had no faith to do that. And the major reason why they have no faith to do that because they rejected what God was telling them of what to do. And they said, speak to Moses. And so many of us who are looking for prophet today, we have the same problem. We want a prophet to tell us what God ought to be telling us. If we be God's children, why do we need men to tell us what God ought to be telling us? My sheep hear my voice is a key point. Are you listening to me? So here I say, do all things without murmuring, and disputing, verse 15, 
that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine at what? As light in the world. No man lights a light and put it on a bushel. You are candles. And you are made to reveal this to the world. Many in the world is in darkness, but you have received light. And God has set you off as light to lighten other people. God did not send you as light or raise you as light to find fault in people. No. Light is made to dispel darkness by implication. When you talk to people, when you witness, you don't have to witness with the mind of condemnation. You are there to shine light. The people can't walk in the light because they are in darkness. Until the spirit comes into their spirit, there is no way they can even obey or listen to what you say. So when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, it was primarily to make them become obedient to whatever thing God tells them. Are we together? So God intends you to reveal His glory, reveal His, I mean, everything, every instruction that is given to you. You reveal it outside there to the people of the world. Now don't forget what we're dealing with. The difference between a believer and what? The unbeliever. So in laying this foundation, what is the major difference already? The believer's spirit has received the light of the Holy Spirit. The unbeliever's spirit, though he has a spirit, has no light in his spirit. Are you done with me? Right. Just a foundation is to give to you tonight. It is then we're going to move on down to the issue of the mind. Remember what we read in Ephesians 4. The mind is on vanity. Okay. So let me make some progress now. So again, we read before in Genesis 3 verse number 20. Adam called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. Right? Adam called his wife's name Life. Like I said, because she was the mother of all living. Okay. Look at 2 Corinthians 1 verse number 11. 2 Corinthians 1 verse number 11. Sorry. 2 Corinthians 11 verse number 1. 11 verse number 1. Woe to God they could bear with me a little in my folly. And indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. When he said, I'm jealous over you, you got to understand that. The church is a wife unto Christ. It's not going to be a wife. It's already a wife unto Christ. Is that okay? Good. And so I'm jealous. And you see, now let me not go there. We have the law of jealousy in the book of Leviticus. Is that okay? Right. And this is why you read in Exodus 20 when God said, I'm a jealous God. What he means to say is, I'm a husband. You're my wife. And so when you go worshiping idol, you're taking the place of your husband and giving it to another husband. That's why I said, I'm a jealous God. I don't want you to worship idols. Is that okay? So what he meant to say is, as a husband, I will not allow you to have another husband outside of me. That's the word jealous there in Exodus 20. Hallelujah. Okay. He said, I need to present you to Christ in case virgin. By implication, I don't want you to be corrupted. In your soul in particular now. Let's look at the next thing. Verse number three. But I fear led by enemies as a serpent. Where did that happen? In the garden. As a serpent began Eve through his subtlety, craftiness. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that's who in Christ. I'm following Christ. I am jealous. I don't want any doctrine that will corrupt your thinking or knowledge of Christ. That's what Paul is saying. I need to present you as a chaste virgin, like we find in Revelation 14, the 144,000. They were chaste virgin, 
before the Lamb. Remember that? Praise the Lord. And so that's what Paul is saying here. So, what happened? Now, remember, the place of corruption here is the mind. And so, Scripture always said, Be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Are you getting this? Alright. So, what's the next thing we find there? Go with me to Galatians chapter 4, verse 26. Galatians 4, verse 26. Hallelujah. Okay, maybe go back a little bit. Just go to verse 24. We think allegory. Now he's talking about Sarah and Agai. Say so these two things are allegory, Sarah and Agai. For these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which is danger to bondage, which is Agai. And then verse 25 say, For this Agai is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and has said to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. And so it's very unfortunate for people to think that Jerusalem is the holy land that people must go to. Huh? And yeah, the scripture is telling us that Jerusalem, which is called the holy land, is in bondage with our children. And you see people go there and they come with a prayer show. They come with only seed. Huh? And God is calling that same set of people, men that are in bondage. They don't have Christ. We have the Armenians, we have Christians, we have Muslims in Jerusalem. You got to understand that. Praise the Lord. And he's saying the Jerusalem which now is the one in the Middle East. Some bondage with our children. It's like into Hagar. Now read the next thing. Verse 26. But Jerusalem which is above is what? Free. Which is the mother of us all. Praise the Lord. What Jerusalem is from above, that's my Zion. Go with me to Hebrew 12. Look at verse 22. Jerusalem is above our mother. What do you mean, my mother? Remember, Eve was the mother of all living. But now we have another mother called Jerusalem, which is from above. So, what is Jerusalem, which is from above? Look at that. But you come unto my Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And to my innumerable company of what? Of angels. You've come to Mount Zion. So, we find that the new Jerusalem which is above is Mount Zion. What Mount Zion? The church. So, from the church, which is the mother from above, is what gives back to you. You receive a new life as you become a partaker of this. New Jerusalem, which is from above, which is like into Sarah. Praise the Lord. So, first of all, you have Eve, the mother of all living. But by reason of you being in church, you change your mother. It's allowed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The day you allow the Spirit of Christ to come into your life, you change your mother from Eve to Mount Zion. Praise God, somebody. So you should be able to know who your mother is. Amen. I remember praying with someone. And I finished and I say, in the name of Jesus. And the person said, Pastor, why didn't you, why didn't you say Yeshua? I said, what's the problem? He said, that's the original name of Jesus. Aha. Uh -huh. So now, now we have to start using Yahweh, Adonai, whatever. We shouldn't be using God anymore. I don't like just Jerusalem from, I mean, bondage, Jerusalem, and now is. What is Yeshua? Yeshua is in him, and so what? You want to interpret Jesus to me, Yeshua? I have no problem. Huh? I'm not sure Peter is saying the name of Yeshua. He's saying the name of Jesus. That's what's written in the book. Hallelujah. It's not about Yeshua. You may call the Yeshua and nothing happens. Then you take the name of the Lord that God in vain. Isn't it? No, it's not about Yeshua. It's Jesus. I mean, why twine your tongue and trying to become Jerusalem, which is a bondage with our children? Do I have need for that? 
If I pray Jesus and God answers me, why do I have to think about Yeshua? And that makes you a better Christian? No, I'm not Jewish. In fact, I should be calling him Jesu. Huh? Hallelujah. And that's my language. And God gave us all of our tribes. I should be calling him Jesu in the name of Jesu. <laughs> Praise God. Are <laughs> you getting what I'm talking about? Don't kill yourself with all those things that you have to be Yeshua. Amen. So, we got a mother from above. I'm saying when the Holy Spirit comes into your spirit, you change your motherhood. Your mother becomes Zion, no longer Eve. So, by implication, those in the street, they are the children of Eve. While you were in the church, your mother is what? Zion, which is the church of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And like I always say, you don't die to get into Jerusalem. You don't have to go to the Middle East. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. Get down to Ephesians 4 again, verse 17. Is anybody picking anything? I need you to know when the Bible talks about you being born again, that you understand what it really means for you to be born again. Your spirit receiving the light of the Holy Spirit. And that is where the scripture always says, many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Hallelujah. Okay. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that he has for what not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. I want to deal with that word vanity. The Gentiles walk in the vanity of what? Their minds. That is the thing I want to concentrate on now. Now, where is the mind? The mind is in the soul. Do you understand that? Good. The mind is so powerful because it's sort of control. The mind, you have imagination. It's so important. Mind, metaiose in the Greek, speak of inutility, transitness, morally, depravity, vanity. Vanity, emptiness. Depravity, something that depraved, no sense of value. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Now, the walk in the vanity of their mind, in other words, in the foolishness of their mind, that is to say, they lack genuine wisdom. The men that have not received the light walk in the vanity of their mind. Hallelujah. They walk in the foolishness of their mind. Meaning they lack genuine wisdom. That is the man that's in the streets. That is why you who is in hazard of faith you can't walk in foolishness because you are born of the Spirit. And let me show you this. Where do we find wisdom? First Corinthians 1, verse 24. First Corinthians 1, verse 24. Unto them which are called, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is what? The power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ was the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now go to verse 30. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us, what? Wisdom and righteousness and redemption. Now we have the wisdom of God, so you cannot walk 
in the vanity of your mind anymore. By implication, your mind is being renewed. That is why it talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Through the influence of the spirit of the Christ that you have received. Therefore now, you are supposed to be wisdom personified. Praise God somebody. So you see, what men do outside, you can do it. Because you are wisdom personified. They live their life. When he said they walk in the vanity, that is they live their life in the vanity, the foolishness of their mind. They lack genuine wisdom. Even what they call wisdom is not wisdom after all. Do you understand that? Praise the Lord. So you will find that the unbelievers become addicted because of lack of wisdom to every form of idolatry and also thinking that they could obtain help from gods which are idols that are created with their own hands. What is making them to worship idols is because they lack the true wisdom, which is Christ. And so they now think that they can just carve idols or move some idol or sculpt some piece of wood and then they can bow down to that and they can receive help from those things outside of God. Are you getting this? So here the foolishness is manifested by trusting in idols, by trusting in all of those things, by trusting even money. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know if you are getting that. Yes, when your trust is in all of those things, you lack wisdom. The real wisdom, you miss it. Now you're putting confidence in anything outside of God. Look at Psalm 135, verse number 15. 135, verse 15. The idols of the heavens, the unbelievers, are silver and gold. The work of man's hands. What's the next thing? They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. Verse 17. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is there any breath in their mouths. No life. Is that okay? Verse 18. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusted in them. So, because of the vanity and the foolishness in the heart of man, they trust in idols. By implication, they become idol manifested. Now, when you see an unbeliever in the streets acting in a manner, you shouldn't be surprised. Because it's working in the vanity of his mind and his confidence and trust is in idols. And think about it, you become who you worship. Hallelujah. So sometimes we have walking idols as human beings because their mind is still in the realm of complete vanity. They lack true wisdom, they lack the wisdom of God, which is Christ Himself. And so they manifest nothing but foolishness. And whatever thing they do, it's all but foolishness. Praise the living God. Are we still here? Now I would like us to read from what many hours or few minutes. I would like us to read from the book of read from New Living Translation, Romans chapter one. I'm going to read from verse number uh, number eight. Let me take it from verse number eight. I'll take it from verse number eight. Romans chapter chapter one from verse number eight. New Living Translation. Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ. Now I want to show you what happens to the man that has failed to receive the wisdom of God. Get this point. I'm talking about what differentiates you between a believer and the unbeliever. Is that okay? Right. The vanity of their mind, this is what comes out of it. The product of walking in the vanity of the mind is what we're about to read. 
So Paul said, let me say this first that I may thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him has been talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night, I bring you and your knees in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you, for I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. Verse 12, when we come together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. That he said, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to walk among you and see your spiritual fruit, just as I have seen among other Gentiles. Verse 14. But I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome to, to preach the good news. For I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes the Jews first and also the Gentiles. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. That's the righteousness now. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Praise the Lord. Look at verse 18 now. But God shows his anger. Now, you see what we read from verse number 8 to verse number 17. It is describing those who have received Christ. His life and how he needs to minister to them. But he simply said, the righteousness that moved from faith to faith. And don't forget 1 Corinthians 1 and verse number 30. Christ is made unto us what? Righteousness. So we're talking about progressing in Christ's righteousness. Okay. 18 now says, But God showed his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. What is the truth? They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. This is the point. By implication, you look at the earth, you look at the sky, you look at the tree, you look at the ocean, you definitely will ask yourself a question. Who made these things? The answer is God. Hallelujah. Nothing can exist all of by itself. There must be a source from which something comes into existence. So God is telling us from the scriptures here that the unbelievers themselves, they don't even have an excuse to say that they don't know God because the earth you are walking on is made by someone. The trees they see is made by someone. The bears flying in the air. Somebody is responsible for them. So creation have revealed that God exists. I don't know if I get that. So you don't say, well, I don't really believe and I'm not sure. You can, be, you can say you're not sure when you see trees, you see everything. In the night you see the sun, I mean, the day, the sun in the night, you see the moon, the stars, the cloud. You can't tell me you're not sure. You should be sure. <laughs> this thing didn't come to existence all by themselves. Somebody was responsible. That's what the scripture is telling us. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. Verse 21. Yes, they knew God. But they won't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God is like. The vanity of their mind now. As a result, their mind became dark and confused. Verse 22. Claiming to be wise, they instead become utter fools. And instead of worshipping the glorious ever-living God, 
They worship idols made to look like mere people and bells and animals and reptiles. Now I'm trying to tell you what the vanity of people's mind leads them to. It's in the same spirit that makes people to go to the shrine, to go to the herbalist, to go to the ritualist. The same spirit. Hallelujah. Somebody was discussing with me a few weeks ago how the system which is a Christian because of the problem in the family have to go to the shrine, to go to the shrine to ask for deliverance or freedom from the brother because the brother was in problem. And the brother was telling me, he said, Pastor, what shocked me is this. By the time I got out of the problem, she went to church to give testimony. But here was somebody going to the shrine to consult the idols and all of these things. And because I was released, she went to church to give testimony. He said, I don't understand the kind of Christianity my sister is practicing. The vanity of the man. So you can't be a Christian and be, I mean, be involved in that. No. You don't know your God. Hallelujah. So the carved images, like all reptiles, like human beings, you know, sanding, you know, hide those things. And like I said, Psalm 135, 15, 16. You are exactly who you worship. Amen? Verse 24. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful thing their heart desires. And that's a bad place to be. Where God, remember what I did in Hebrew chapter 12? If God will not chastise you, if God will not correct you, you are a bastard. You are done for. This is the same problem with some of us. That when God is speaking to us, sometimes we reject what he's saying. And with the next thing that God does, he, he allows you to go on to whatever thing you're doing. He abandons your faith. That's a bad place to be. That when God is instructing you at any time, you go to take heed. Because a time comes when it goes. I mean, if you remember the case of Balaam, the prophet, right. God had to let him to be, I mean, have his heart desires. And that's exactly what I'm saying. You abandon you to do the stupid things that you want to do. As a result, they defile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth. Hallelujah. Okay, verse 27. What verse am I? 26, right? Praise the Lord. The trader the truth, verse 25, about God for life. So they worship and serve the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Verse 26. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turn against natural way to have sex and instead indulge in sex with each other. That's lesbianism. So somebody who is involved in lesbianism is a what mind. It's working in the vanity of his mind. Is that okay? Is anybody following this? Good. Now the reason men go into lesbianism or homosexuality is because... Reading this verse, verse 27. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, bound with laws for each other, men do shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffer within themselves the penalty they deserve. Praise God. Did you get that? So lesbianism and homosexuality are actually a product of warped minds. Men who are not thinking correctly anymore. They lack sense, they lack wisdom. And somebody will tell you civilization, no. And what is the result of that? They refuse to worship the true God and give him the praise and glory that is due him. God gave them over. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Instead of restraining them, he allowed them to do those shameful things so they become lesbians and homosexuals. And somebody will be saying, well, it's a new age, civilization, 
God loves everybody. Yes, God loves everybody. But God does not love you being foolish. And he said it right here. They get the penalty for what they deserve. God loves you, but you suffer the consequences of what you're doing. I've told people, somebody asked me one time, do you really believe God forgives sins? I say 100%. Do you believe he forgave the sins of yesterday and then? I say 100% because the sacrifice is one sacrifice, an eternal sacrifice. But, if you sin promiscuously, for instance, you can avoid contacting AIDS. God is not going to excuse you because He forgave your sin that AIDS will not affect you. He's going to get AIDS. There's a consequence of your foolishness. I don't even get in there. Every sin has its consequence. Even though God has forgiven you, you will die of AIDS. But God has forgiven you. I don't know if you are getting what I mean. He said they have to, look at this, they suffer within themselves the penalty they do what they deserve. Praise the Lord. What mind? Men whose mind are no longer functioning. These are the product of homosexuals and lesbians. Praise the Lord. Verse 28. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives become full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, gossip. Glory to God. Hallelujah. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful, they invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. This is not a product of somebody who is born again. This is describing a man that is without the light of God's spirit. Are you following that? They refuse to understand. They break their promises. <laughs> and heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do this thing deserve to die. Yet, yeah, they do them anyway. Who's yet? They encourage others to do them. Praise the Lord. And this is the point. There are some things that should not be done. And when people do them, you don't encourage them to continue to do them. You'll be partaking of their foolishness. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Praise the living God. I was sharing with my wife. There is something we need to understand. Anything that does not bring glory to God is not supposed to be done. Because scripture said, whatever thing you do, do it to what? To the glory of God. It's hard to honor God. It has to glorify God. Amen? You need to understand it. And the scripture is saying here, hey, the worst part of it is, it's not just for those who are doing it, but those who are supporting those things. In other words, you are not supposed to approve what is not right before God. You are not supposed to support it. Praise the living God. Are we still here? <laughs> I'm just trying to lay the foundation of the difference between a believer and what? The unbeliever. So when you are saying you are a believer, you should know what you're talking about. And when you are saying somebody is an unbeliever, you should know what you're talking about. Praise the Lord. So friends, I need you to get this. That your spirit is a candle of the Lord. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon your human spirit, you are born again. And the light from your human spirit will begin to affect your soul. Touching your emotion, your intellect, your will, and your mind. That is sanctification. As you're changing, that is sanctification. Praise the living God. 
You see, in Exodus 23, the Lord was speaking to the children of Israel, say, I'm sending my angel before you, who shall go before you to drive out the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, all the seven wicked spirits in Canaan. He said, I will not do it one day. Say, bit by bit will I do it. That is sanctification. Sanctification is a process. Because first, God will deal with those enemies. It could be in your soul realm. I mean, in your soul realm. It could be in your mind. It could be in your intellect. It could be in your emotion. God deals with all of them bit by bit. One at a time. Until you are completely pure in your soul realm. And then you see sanctification is taking place within your spirit. As your soul realm comes in. So there are some things you may be struggling with. You don't need to kill yourself. God is going to push them out by his spirit. I don't know if you are getting that. You see, that's what people miss it. They don't understand how sanctification works. Right? And when they teach sanctification, that's why some people, have you seen some people, they have some habit and they say they're going to fasting. Huh? They go fast for how many days and come back and you see them within that one week. Wow! Angel just appeared. But guess what? In the next two weeks, three weeks, they are back to where they're coming from. Because the sin is not what you push, it is what the Spirit does. You understand what I'm saying? You only need to yield yourself constantly, receiving the word, receiving the message, reading the Bible, studying, praying. Not because you're going to do that to push one spirit out. You are to be your human efforts. Just allow the spirit to walk through. Remember what he said in Exodus 23, like I said. Say, I'm sending my angel before you. Is that okay? Say, right. He will go before you. Say, just obey him. Say, we drive out. He will be the one to drive them out. Not you. So whatever spirit you are struggling with, just commit it to God and relax. Rejoice that you are freeing him. Praise God, somebody. He will be the one to move in there and drive those spirits out that you finally become pure. Remember this. He wants a pure church and he's going to get a pure church. What did he say in Ephesians? He said he will sanctify the church by the watching of the word. How many of you remember that? Okay. And present it to himself as a church without spot or wrinkle. He is the one watching, not you. He is the one doing the watching. Praise God, somebody. All you need to do is to submit and yield to him. And he does the watching. Remember, he is presenting to you to himself. And nothing is going to stop it. Nothing is going to prevent it. Nothing is going to... Listen, you're going to be holy. In fact, I can say you are holy. Because the Lamb's wife is pure as crystal. Praise the living God. God bless you and I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. 